Thank you for listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit our website, centurybaptist.org, or download the Century Baptist Church app. Uh, We just want to keep this attitude, this spirit of focused on you and elevating you, holding your name up high. We continue to praise you, Father, for for who you are. And in that, as our Creator, as our Sovereign God, as the One who is greater than all things, you, you care about us. You created us for purpose and meaning and to worship you, to praise you, to be in a relationship with you, to glorify you, to reflect you. Father, our prayer is that we would, we would do just that empowered by you, your spirit, to be able to, to live this life. The story we tell ourselves, the story we live out in this world would be one that would just proclaim the truth of who you are. Father, we know today, too, that, that each and every one of us, we come here today with a lot of different things on our hearts and our minds. And so I just ask, Father, on behalf of every person in this room, that, that you would First of all, let each person know that you care about what they care about um, and, and that you are at, remind us all that you're at work in it already. Uh, Father, we know that there are things that are happening all over this world that seem to be, as we read through Scripture, the birth pains of a, of a, new, uh, a new era for what you're going to do in this world. Uh, Father, give us joy in the midst of all of it as your people to be able to proclaim the truth i pray that you would that you would help the church to rise up father to to provide care and comfort to those in i think of today those in morocco that have lost so many uh, family and friends in an earthquake father there are people who are right now kind of uh, locking up windows and doors in preparation for big storms would you raise up the church to be those that, that show that, that you can have peace in the middle of the storms because we know the one that can control it, that does control it. Father, for those that are lost, hurting, struggling with uh, who they are, would you remind them today that, that they are a created being, a child of God, and that you love and care. Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are. And so now as we open up your word, as we look into it, would you... Show us what it is that we need to know about you and about us and this world that we live in and give us joy as we do it, Father. We come with open hearts, open ears. It's in your name that we pray, amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> if you'd like, let's go to, uh, to Matthew chapter 18. As you're doing there, I'll just, uh, I don't necessarily need a show of hands, Uh, But I'm sure that there are a lot of us in the room that would admit that we spend a lot of our time each day looking for something, stuff that gets lost, right? Whether it's your keys, your wallet, There there is a very specific section of Divide Avenue that I get to more times than not and realize that my phone is back at home, right? And I got to turn around and I have to go back. Uh, and so we, we lose things. Did you know in the span of your lifetime, the average American spends six months looking for lost things? That, that's a lot 
of time. When I, when I, I learned that uh, quite a while ago, and I just, you know, I'm that kind of person. I, I don't ever like to say that it's lost, right? I just can't remember where I put it last. Uh, um, uh, so I went out and I, and I, I kind of started a movement in our family. We, we now have a lot of these in our home. These are air tags. So they're just these little kind of uh, uh, chips that you know that you that you you put on to you can buy keychains for it. Put on your keys, so you always know where your keys are. Your phone will tell you. Uh, I have one on my backpack. I, I've got one um, uh, uh, on um, uh, my. Uh, there's a little uh, attachment that you have for your phone, so you can find your phone. I have a phone to find these, and then these to find a phone. Um, right. And, uh, and my, kids, my kids have them as well, uh, ones that they've purchased and ones that I have hidden in their car, <laughs> right? <laughs> because they can easily turn off their find, my friends, uh, but they have no idea that this is in their trunk, right? So I know where my family is at all times. You can even buy dog collars and cat collars that are custom made to hold these so you can never lose your pet uh, again. We spend a lot of time looking for things. But here's why I, I say that. Um, th- these, these aren't, I mean, to purchase, uh, I don't know, $20, $30 or something. Yeah, it's a small price to pay uh, to, to not have to lose six months of my life looking for things and the frustration that comes along with it and all of that. Um, uh, and a set of keys are just a set of keys. In, in, in my situation, because I'm just wired differently, I only have one set of keys for my car, and I don't ever go out and get another one. So this is very important to me, that I can find my keys, because in order for me to drive my car, I need that set. The value in these is really, there's no value in them when they sit alone, but it's when they get attached to something, when they get connected to it, when they get connected to something that can be so easily lost it now places an incredible amount of value on these as well as it's showing the value that I place on something. One of the greatest tips I ever had is you drop this in your suitcase when you're flying somewhere and you will always know where your suitcase is, right? The stuff in my suitcase doesn't, wouldn't seem, I would say, you know, if that suitcase would fly open and TSA would see it and they would look at it and go, well, throw it away, it's not worth anything, Right? Uh, uh, but, but to me it is, and so it has enough value that I would attach that I want, I want to make sure that I can find it if it's ever lost. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples because they, they're starting to get a little bit of, a, of, of an attitude, right? We've been looking at this the last couple of weeks. They're having conversations with each other about still not fully understanding and grasping Jesus as king, greater than king of a nation or here on earth, but uh, the universe. And so they're just wondering, they're like, hey, Jesus, when you become king, um, which one of us do you think is going to get to be your right-hand man? And they're having conversations with each other often over who is, hey, who do you think of our group? Who do you think is the greatest? And, and Jesus has to, he's got to explain to them that what, what the kingdom of heaven needs is, is humble people. And in our text today, Jesus expands on this by saying one of the greatest ways that you can live out true humility is the way in which you view and treat those 
that, that you have for a while thought you were better than, that you were greater than? Do you see other people as valuable? Not just as valuable as you, but Jesus is even more valuable than you view yourself. What's the determined value that you have on the lives of the people around you today? That term, determined value, is a financial term. It's used in the trading of, uh, of stocks, of shares. When a company is sold to, to someone, the value of that company is determined on what the highest uh, stock price is at that moment. I say all of that just to set the stage of, you can see where I'm going with this. The value of each and every person is determined uh, on what price is willing to be paid for it. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die, to give His life up for us, which means that the lives of each and every person around us is determined by the price that was paid for it, the ultimate price, priceless. Do we see people as valuable in a culture and in a world that we live in today where it seems as though everyone is in a constant battle to proclaim their value to other people or, 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 or for people to determine the value of people based on how we act and treat them or applaud them. We need to remind it of the truth of Scripture. As, as I said, in Mark chapter 9, as Jesus is discussing greatness with His disciples, his, his example that He uses is He goes and He gets a child. And He brings a child in front of them. Because in ancient times, uh, children were, were more seen as property, as help, for you to further yourself, or the more children you had, was, it was in some way made you uh, uh, to, to be out, out to be somebody. The more children you have, the more important you must be, the more valuable you are. And so oftentimes kids were used rather than, we could say, loved and, and, and invested in and cared for. Not to say that they weren't, but that was the view of the culture of the day. And so Jesus brings a child to say, look, I, I, value, I value even a child in the eyes of this world. I value children. I want you to as well. But I also want you to, to have your attitude be like a child that says, look, um, no matter how it is that, that people may view me, the Savior holds me, cares about me. I'm valuable. So Jesus has to warn His disciples to not fall into the trap of the example that's been set by the religious leaders of the day who were the ones that said, because we're great at what we do, because we're close to God based on our actions, uh, we can look down upon. And, and they almost rejoiced in being better than everybody else when people couldn't live up to their standards. And Jesus, I think, is saying, man, guys, be careful. You're teetering on, on living like a Pharisee. And I've called you to live different. We're going to live different. We're going to live humbly, and we're going to care for everybody. We're not going to look down on them. We need to be humble. The value of a believer 
The value of the people around you today is not determined by you. It's already been set by the price that was paid for people. So we need to see everyone loved by God and extremely valuable. And I'll just say this. You need to see yourself as that as well. Your value is not determined on on how much people applaud you. Your value is not determined on what words somebody has said to you over the years, how a coach has treated you, a parent that you've become disconnected to. Your value is determined on how God views you, and He says, you're worth the price of my son. Can you just... Can you just embrace that today? Can you believe that for yourself? We use this text a, a lot. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that says you are, you are God's workmanship. You don't work on something if it's not valuable to you. If it doesn't mean something to you. Another translation says that you're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do what it is that He's called to do. We are who we are and our value comes of being created by God and then through Christ as we are saved, now each and every person. And this is not to to puff ourselves up. Just understand that. We're priceless. What we find in this text today, we, we have to ask ourselves is, Do I believe that about other people as well? And do I treat them as such? It could be so easy for those 12 that are spending time with Jesus, His inner circle, to start to feel this way. We're so much better than other people. We're we're doing what Jesus has asked us to do. Look at them, not doing so well. They were there. They were there at the Sermon on the Mount. They're not living up to it, but we are. It could be so easy to fall into that. That's... That wasn't what Jesus desired. Jesus' desire, as he's going to tell us in his text today, is, well, if you're mature and you're growing, then then go alongside those that need to grow as well and help them grow. That's discipleship. Walk alongside them. Be careful how you treat what Jesus will say. New believers, young believers, in your eyes seem to be immature believers, and yes, even Kids, value those that need to grow and invest in them. What makes you a priceless masterpiece is that Jesus gave his life up for you and the people around you. That's our value. Let's stand as I read uh, verses 10 through 14 of Matthew 18. If you... If you use our, our sermon journals that we have for you at back at the info desk, you're, we're on page 98, um, if you'd like to turn there. This is what Jesus says. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, I say to you, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's God's word. That's Jesus' words to us. You can have a seat 
So let's dig into it as we talk about value, the value of people and what it is that he wants from us. First of all, there is unquestionable demand. There is a command by Jesus, his authority that God has given him that he tells his followers. First thing that that we need to know and understand and realize, never despise anyone who's humbled themselves before Christ. Never despise someone. That, there's, that's a, it's a small word and it's got a lot of meanings and you can take whatever one you want to and apply it uh, to yourself today because despise means, one, it means to look down on. Uh, it, it can mean to ignore. It can mean to reject. It can mean to think poorly of. I think the, the greatest um, definition of this word is mean to, uh, means to undervalue. And we can, get, we can get caught in this. Yes, we can get caught in this in the church because that's what Jesus is talking about. Remember, he's, he's now talking about who we might see as immature believers, maybe those that, that haven't quite gotten it yet, and they, they've started following Christ, but they're fading away. Maybe they're, something in life just caused them to start to stray. Maybe there are those who are just exploring And what Jesus says is, don't ever think that you are better than anybody else. There are people out there who need to know me and are are need to grow in me, and and they need people to run after them and say, no, 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 come back. What they don't need, Jesus says, is for is for Christians or those that call themselves disciples, seeing people who maybe aren't living up to your standard or even the standard of Scripture and saying, away with you right? I'm sorry, but this circle is for the mature. And when you become like us, then you're welcome. And Jesus says, that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is everybody working together that we build one another up until we all reach maturity. We all have a responsibility to each other to build each other up. And he says, but you are not allowed to ever look down on anybody else for the life that they live. Treat one another with a holy respect. When you undervalue something, right? When you, when you can't see people for who they truly are, who God created them to be, who God wants them to grow into, then, then we, re, we reject something that we don't value. We don't treat it the way we should. I don't know about you. I love uh, the show The Antiques Roadshow because I'm 50 now. Uh, and but I uh, there there's a great clip that I've seen over and over again, and, and uh, it was uh, a man. His name is Ted Kuntz, and he showed up at the Antiques Roadshow with a blanket, and and uh, he he wanted them to appraise it, and the the guy doing the appraising was like jaw on the floor, and he said, "Man, when when you, I mean I love how they get excited about stuff like this." He's like, "When you walked in the room and I saw that, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't wait to get my hands on it." And, uh, and what he had was a first edition Navajo blanket from early 1800s. And um, uh, they obviously they have this conversation and he says, where did you get it? And he goes, oh, my grandmother. It was, give, it was a gift to my grandmother from a guy named Kit Carson, who's like, you know, legendary in like the, the fur trade and, and early America. And, and, and so they kind of had this banter back and forth. And, and finally, you know, they get to the point that we're all watching for. And the, the guy says, well, what you have here, you know, first edition Navajo blanket in great shape, great condition. I would appraise this anywhere from two hundred and fifty to $300,000. And this guy is like 
what? And, and, and he, he, said, he said, well, I suppose I should, I should probably keep it somewhere safe. And the guy goes, well, where have you kept it until now? He goes, he goes well, ever since I, I've been a kid, he goes, it's been draped over the back of a chair in our living room. And the guy's like, well, could you please not do that anymore? And, and then come to find out that, that, the, that he allows it to go to auction and it sells somewhere, I think it was like around $450,000, uh, but, but he didn't know what he had. And, and so obviously you have something that's a half a million dollars and you're not going to have people just guests coming over and kids climbing all over it. You're going to keep it somewhere, you're going to treat it with, with respect. And that's what Jesus is is trying to never despise and don't ever treat anybody like they just deserve to be thrown over the back of a chair. The reason you do it is because you don't see the value, and that's where it begins. Do you see the value in people, and then do you see the value in the command of Christ to never look down upon another believer for any reason? And don't treat them... um, as such. If that's not enough for us, Jesus' command, I'll just take another passage from God's Word, Philippians 2 3. If you, if you know Christ, in other words, Christians, this is for us. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. We could probably all today. We could, I could just pray and we could end it and we go, let's try to apply that to our lives today. Can I, can I see others as more significant than me? And do I treat them the same way? In other words, esteem people. Elevate them. Raise them up so that they can walk with Christ in the way that, that the Word of God says and we can do it together. Discipleship. Because Jesus demands it. Value of something also comes from, from the supply. Jesus goes on now to, to kind of bring up something that seems it's just a little bit quirky. He starts talking about angels. Don't despise one of these little ones because I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. It's a really interesting statement for him to make, but again, he, what he's doing, he's just re-emphasizing the value of each and every believer in Christ. What he's saying is, look, their value is even known in the heavens. It's not about what you think of people, right? God is already determined by by the sending of His Son, and the angels even know it. And we we don't talk a lot about about angels, uh, and we don't always understand uh, angels a whole lot. Um, but what we need to understand, angels are talked about over 300 times in Scripture. They are real. They are at work right now, at all times. Scripture talks about a number of different roles that they play. One, that they are the greatest choir that anybody could ever hear. That they are constantly in worship and praising God. We're also told in Scripture that they are also fighting for us at all times. We know this. I mean, we know we talk all the time about being tempted. Satan's desire is to keep us down and to keep wearing us down and to get us to fall and, and walk away from God. And Scripture tells us that, that the angels are doing the opposite. They're fighting for God's plan for our lives. That, 
If you've never heard that, that will change the way that you live every day. If you know that you have got an army that is fighting for you, because that's what Jesus says, they're angels. The angels have a role to play in, in, in watching over us, protecting us, fighting for us. Hebrews 1.14 is a great text that helps us to understand it. It says that there are ministering spirits that serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. In other words, it's a really cool thing. In other words, if you know Jesus, if you have been saved, it is because fully because of the work of Christ and what it is that He's done in your life. And alongside it, along with it, uh, the path was opened because, because you had God's army fighting against the army of darkness to make sure that that would happen. Because there is an army that doesn't want you to follow Christ, and there is a much better, stronger army that, that wanted you to. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, understand the value of each person, that there's an army of angels that is fighting for each and every person. You don't have more than they do. Or stronger than they do, the army of angels fights for all of us. Psalm 91.11 says, God will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will bear you up. They come along. I don't know how it happens. I don't know fully how it works. But all I know is that with the power of the Holy Spirit and the joy that I have in Christ and an army of angels that is working for me, this is how we go out and we make disciples. It's how people get to hear the message of the gospel. So Jesus says, they see the face of my Father who's in heaven. They would understand what he's talking about because what it means is that that angels have access to God anytime that they desire. To be able to see the face of a king, that's what it meant, is that is that you, uh, you, you have the ability to go in and out anytime you want to. The king wants to see you. One of my first trips that I made to, uh, to West Africa, um, uh, the country of Cameroon, like many African nations, uh, uh, have a political system much like a lot of other countries do, but yet they still uh, hold to and respect uh, the, the tribalism, and so there are these kind of area governors, they're called fawns, and the fawn oversees the tribe, and, and, and the fawn has a palace in each of these areas, and uh, inside the palace, he's got a lot of servants, he's got typically a lot of wives and children, and there's a lot of activity, and at one time, we got invited to go into, uh, not just into the palace of the fawn, but we got invited into his throne room that we could spend a little time with him and as we went in we we were told we had the, kind of one of his people were like okay here's all the rules that you need to follow uh, if you're going to be in the presence of the fawn first of all don't sit in that chair uh, and that's his chair and the penalty is death if you sit in that chair so I was like all right I do not want that chair and and then it was and don't look him in the eye and make sure you don't cross your legs when you're in in the presence there's a lot of stuff that I, that we had to go through in order to just be into the in the presence of a fawn and what we find in this passage says that the angels they see the face of they have free access to him at any given time 
Scripture talks over and over again about, about what the angels are doing. They're making intercession for us with God. They're, they're going and reporting what's going on uh, to the Father, as even though He knows already and these conversations are taking place. And Jesus says, all of this to say, for us to grasp and understand that even in the heavens, we are known, we are fought for, we are valued, Will we here on earth see people in the same way? Will we fight for people? Will we see people? Will we make intercession for other people that we think maybe and they're not quite like me, they're not as good as me? That, we got to let that go. Remember, this is all coming from, from Jesus understanding the last couple weeks of humility. Do we love people and do we love them well? Are we for each other? We talk about, use that term a lot here at Century, that we're for our city, that we're for people. Are you, are you really? Are you truly for everybody in the body of Christ? That you want to see each and every person grow in their relationship with the Father. When we look down on other believers... When we look down on people that aren't as mature as, as, as we are, what we're really doing, knowing now what Jesus is talking about, about the work of, of the angels in the heavens, is when we look down upon people, we are working against God's work that's taking place up in the heavens. It must be so frustrating for some of those angels to go, man, I'm, I'm working so hard. To help this weary soul. And, and there's all these Christians that, that, that could do, come alongside them and build them up. But man, they're making it harder. They're making our work harder. They're pushing people away. We don't want to work against the kingdom of heaven. We want to be for them. We want to grow people. We don't devalue people's lives know their lives know their story why are you the way that you are because typically when you hear that story your heart will break and say okay i love you even more and i want to do whatever it takes to help you out so if jesus gave up his life for people and there's an endless supply of power and love uh let's join in it let's give that same amount of endless supply of christ's care and love to others so Jesus then kind of just tells a parable. You say, look, he doesn't know how else. I mean, how else do I explain it to people? Here you go, guys. He goes, don't you get it? I, I, what about a shepherd and his sheep? And so those are his words to him. What do you think? Well, what he's really saying is, is, do you get this yet? So let me give you something obvious. A man has 100 sheep and one goes astray. The shepherd will always leave the 99 to go find the one. In other words, every one of those sheep matters. What Jesus is doing is getting the disciples to understand, yeah, it's true. It's true. A shepherd will always leave the flock to find the lost one because every one of them matters so it says jesus says so the shepherd leaves him on the mountain in other words he's in a safe place right they're they're in the fold they're taken care of the, the rest of the flock is okay but i've got to go and find the one because the one that wanders is at risk 
Their life is at risk. It's a sheep, so we don't really know that there's much else going on in that mind, right? But if we apply it to ourselves as sheep, there's somebody who's wandering, who's lost, who's worried, who's afraid, who's hurting, who's at risk, and they need to be found, and they need to be rescued. He says, that shepherd will search until he finds it. And when he finds it, he rejoices. He celebrates the coming home of that sheep, the need of each and every individual. The greatest need of each and every individual in this world is to be found by Christ, plain and simple. We've got a long list of what we think we need in life, and there are a lot of things that we do, but, but our number one need is we need Jesus because God has created us with eternity in our hearts, the, the longing and the looking for. We need to have this relationship that is broken with God, mended, and Christ is the only one that can do it, and we need it. And the way it takes place, the way that it can take place in the life of others is that they have to know who Jesus is. And the way that they know who Jesus is because people who know Jesus care enough about them, elevate them, don't look down on them, but say, I love you and you need Jesus. Rather than just look at you, man, you need Jesus. But we care for people. We don't neglect them. We don't despise them. Just like a shepherd who doesn't go, well, look, look, that sheep, he's dumb. Right? Wandered off, didn't listen to my voice, didn't listen to what I had to say, didn't pay attention, just got focused on his things, and he's gone, let him go. Jesus says there's no room for that in the body of Christ. If there's one who doesn't quite get it, there's one that's immature, there's one that's young, there's one that seems to be wandering off, we leave and we, leave, we drop everything because one life is too valuable to lose. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that the role of the church First of all, the role of leaders in the church is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. But it goes beyond that. Why? So that we can build up the body of Christ because we all play a role in speaking into each other's lives. And verse 13 is the key. Build up the body of Christ until we all attain unity. That's our role. That we all do what we're called to do, that we're equipped to do, that we're gifted to do, to speak into each other's lives. Well, for how long? Until everybody is at the same place. That's the goal. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to full maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, our job is to keep speaking into each and every one's life until we all become like Christ. In other words, until His return. In other words, we are to devote, devote our lives to be fully focused, making disciples, speaking into each other's lives. No matter what level we think people are at in their spirituality, right? That, that, that we just continue to invest and care about each other. Paul goes on to say, so that we could all no longer be children. In other words, uh, immature believers. Which is no, uh, no offense to kids. I'm not trying to speak poorly to kids today. But we're growing, right? You're learning. That's why you're in school. We learn to grow. And until we all are no longer like children, blown and tossed by the waves, 
but the goal is each and every one of us doing our part to help the body grow, and this is what it leads to so that it could be built up in love. And, and, and that's what it's all about. Do we love one another with the love of Jesus Christ, with the eyes of Christ, with the care and the concern of Jesus Christ, and the willingness to drop everything, to leave our glory behind so that others can, can grow up, so that the goal is, Paul tells us, the goal is, is not for, for me to do everything I can to be as fully mature as I possibly can so that on that day that I cross over into the pearly gates that I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that the well done, good and faithful servant is, gonna, is going to be based on how well I did in obedience to Scripture and how well I did together with all of you until we all attain unity. That's the goal. Which means that we need to, to grab a hold of people that, are, that we see need growth and say, come on, I want to help you. And we see people that, that, are, that are living lives that we want to be like, that are like, more like Christ, more mature. And we say, would you take me with you? Would you disciple me? And would you let me disciple you? Can we do this thing together? Because that is the need that we have. It would be unthinkable to have a shepherd who sees a sheep wander off and to just let him go. And Jesus says the same should be for you. I don't know about you, but I would rather spend my time on the things that are of value, which seems to be the applause of heaven. Because there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents, one person that's on the path of growth, than, than the 99 who uh, are already there, grown and mature. So Jesus says... So go find the one. And my challenge is, is that, that I, would, I would release the 99 to go and find the one. To bring them along with. Jesus concludes the text, it's not my will of the Father in heaven that even one of these little ones should perish. And for us today, we would say that should be our, our desire as well. I want to follow the will of God that no one should ever perish. And it definitely not because I've rejected them. But may everybody grow together because we're for people, because Jesus is for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We love you. We thank you for who you are. We will continue, Father, to praise you, to follow you. And, and it's our desire, God. We, we desire so deeply to do what it is that you've called us to do. And we, as we, as we bring this to light today, Father, about the, the spiritual forces that are at war, we Feel it. We know that it's happening in each and every one of our lives. So our prayer is that we would just be obedient to your word, that we would submit and surrender to the power of your Holy Spirit to do the work in us. Father, that, that if there's anybody here today that came questioning their value in this world, that they would know that, that their life has been paid for by your Son, innocent, precious, holy. Father, may we walk now in lives knowing that we didn't deserve it, but you gave up your son for us. So may that humble us. May it help us to see others with the eyes of Jesus. We love you. Thank you for not giving up on us, Father. 
We give you all praise. Amen.